whenever I've met someone on Anchor who, whom I found very attractive, who, about whom I say, I want to know more about this person. I want to know more. I'm curious. I have not just an abstract, I want to know more, but I have in the very specific anchors, if you like, anchor questions about a person that I ask. The simplest and most direct one is, where is this person living? Where do they live? Um, other question I have very early on in my mind is, how do they earn their living? What's their job, if you like? I careful, yeah, their employment. What do they do? And there are a whole load of other, I mean, I, I guess I could almost call them subsidiary questions um, that are, I've never found any limit to the amount of curiosity I have about someone to whom I'm attracted, or by whom I'm attracted to be whichever way you want to put it. So, what I'm going to play you next is... doesn't happen in a vacuum. You see, when I met Robert Neal and was pretty well immediately on the basis of listening to just a single piece of his voice reading poetry, I said to myself, who is this guy, where is he living, what's he doing, what's his background? And uh, I've maintained that curiosity that now, I very seldom, don't think I've ever really done it, you know, go immediately into interrogation mode and say, oh hello, uh, uh, Robert Neal, I've got a few questions for you, uh, uh, where do you live, exactly where, um, meaning including questions like, you know, how far from you is the nearest house and where is your local pub and, uh, and how do you travel around and, you know, what are your neighbours like? And uh, after that then, how do you earn your living? Yes, yes, what do you do as a uh, job? No, I don't do that. But I do look for clues. And from time to time, people drop clues, and they give me a little bit of a steer. Now, Robert Neal gave me a clue at the very beginning. He gave it to everybody else because he said where he lived on the, the western shore of... Oh, this is terrible. I always get confused. I think it's Lake Ontario. But don't hold me to that. Um, I, I was absolutely thinking, oh, this is Lake Wobegon, thank goodness, because I love Garrison Keeler. And the notion of somebody describing themselves as living on the western end of a lake is grabs me a lot more than saying, you know, I live you know, near lake such and such, but the western end immediately has a resonance for me. But gradually over a period of time, uh, Robert Neal, not in response to me, but revealed one or two things about his uh, job. And even though I'm very interested in his 
life in Nova Scotia and his attachment to Nova Scotia and interested in his gardening and lots and lots of other things. The job particularly interested me and then I found out that Robert worked in a field that careful now. Well, I once was trained, uh, educated with a whole lot of people who became social workers, and a lot of those people who became social workers would have gone into child protection work. And that's, um, anyway, what comes next is uh, Robert has decided to uh, play a very old, well not very, in anchor terms, very old, a piece of audio which he made and I just want to thank him very much uh, for it. I hope you find it attractive. Ah, at least things are more coherent now. I have a question for you. In your daily life, in your uh, local community, or in fact in any other life you have, uh, <laughs> Um, are you Robert or are you Rob? I know you're Robert here, but I just wondered. Uh, Robert, I have a big smile on my face as I listen to you ask what lay behind my question about whether you were Rob or Robert. I have a um, something I'm I'm going to reveal to you now. When you touched for the first time or when I heard you touch for the first time on the work that you do and on your retirement from that work which was coming up in the foreseeable future and heard you say that now that you were in, shall we say, the last six months of your employment that you might feel more free to talk about some issues that you were involved in or representing. I decided I would follow my curiosity, so I went to LinkedIn, I went to Google, I went in search of who was Robert Neal. I, there I had to confront my, my uncertainty about um, which uh, Robert Neal uh, I w was in touch with. Um, and many of the references to the person who I came to believe was you, was uh, Rob Neal. I I became satisfied that I knew what your area of work was because you helped in that. You mentioned something to do with it and you mentioned the, these are not your exact words, the trials and tribulations, or you mentioned the complexity of um, being in the middle of a situation where 
there were very high expectations on the organisation, which the organisation was often not able to fulfil, even though it might be highly desirable that the organisation might fulfil it. And, and complexities that are involved, you know, there were delicacies and sensitivities and immensely important ones as, as well. The reason I was searching for the name was to verify and make sure that I wasn't making a mistake because my real curiosity was about um, you on the one hand but the area as well because there are huge debates in Ireland about it. In fact, as I speak about it, I realise we touched on it because we touched on the role of Tusla here. But I was especially interested in what level in the in the system, if you like, you were at, um, what level of responsibility you held, what level of experience you had, because that was going to give me a lot of extra information about you. And, you know, I had already decided I wanted to know more about you. I have to walk to gate number 16 in order to catch my flight from Gatwick Airport to Cork Airport. And I'm just starting the journey out of the, the store area, the, what we used to call the duty-free. And I'm wondering how long it's going to take the flight to Cork with Ryanair. He's flying today, by the way, and uh, that's a little off-handed joke about the fact that Ryanair have had to, well, have screwed up, basically, on the rostering of their, their pilots' holidays, they say. So that's, that's what's happening. But uh, uh, the board here in Gatwick Airport says that the flight is boarding. So I thought to myself, well, how long does it take to walk to the flight, to walk to the boarding gate? And I thought, well, what better way to find out than to talk to you and see what's going on? The airport on the right-hand side of me is empty and on the left-hand side of me is empty and I'm walking along a travelator, pedalator, basically something that speeds up the rate at which I walk and I'm passing gate number 11. There's almost nobody here. It's it would be more busy in Cork Airport than in this part of Gatwick Airport. Since Gatwick is enormous and Cork is tiny, it might seem a contradiction in terms. Though I do remember when I landed in O'Hare Airport in Chicago, from Shannon Airport in Ireland, I thought O'Hare was a really nice small regional airport. It was that pleasant to leave the aeroplane 
and walk outside and be collected by my sister who had flown up from Arizona. Now, what gate did I say my flight was at? I'm going to have to... Yes, it's boarding at 16. Boarding at number 16. I think we walked the last part. 16 is the next one. Now I have a slight trace of anxiety that I might be late. But if I was late, they'd be saying closed, wouldn't they? Not boarding. So let's see, Cork, FR9853. Oh, there's only a small group of people in front of me. I like to be the last person to get on the aircraft. This journey, I am doing something I don't like doing. I'm sitting in the middle of a row. So that's probably going to do me good. Because sitting in the middle of a row gives me practice at doing something I don't like doing. And there's quite a lot to be said for that. Now the question is, is there a toilet nearby that I could nip into rather than have to wait until I'm on the airplane. Just have a wee look here and see. After you, after you go through the uh, check-in, you're held at an emergency exit. And you then queue down the stairs. So there are plenty of people there. Now, the, the bog, the loo, the jacks, the, I'm trying to think of the other names for toilets, jacks was the one we used when I was young. Isn't international audio exchange fantastic? Here's a piece of audio from Australia that has really brightened up my afternoon. As I walked out one May morning to view the leaves and trees a springing, I saw two maidens standing by, and one of them her hands was ringing. Oh dear, oh, oh dear, oh. Me husband's got no courage in him. Oh, dear, oh. You just reminded me of that particular song with your last post around uh, walking around on a uh, Monday morning. So I thought I would sing it for you. Waiting for something to happen. Waiting for something to happen that isn't already waiting 
for something that Godot missed. Waiting for someone to hiccup more than me. You see, waiting is a creating, gestating, sublimating art. Not farting, but founding. Part two. Will the rain fall, the toilet flush, the doorbell ring? Will the jackdaw land, the chicken lay, a pony snort? Ten minutes, ten minutes. Will that fish spawn, this hiccup die, her tongue melt, her wit end, her scream echo, will Friday follow, the poet's grip falter, Your journey age Will the albatross be called wisdom? My hummingbird depart My sign language strike a chord Your fingernails warm Waiting for something to happen a story take on a character. This ceremony embrace your destiny. My watch tick. Tim Miller wake on time to catch Godot working miracles waiting for something to happen.